Feel the waves cut through me Hypnotized By the sounds I'm breathing in Hold tight Hi, this is Jason Flores And I'm one of the coaches from the Endurance Lab And today I'm joined by Taya, Mitch, and Ian other coaches in Endurance Lab. And today we're going to take a little bit of time to give you some insight and answer some questions um, that have come through through the Endurance Lab forum. But before that, let me introduce the coaches. But instead of doing our normal intro, I'm going to let them know or let them share what their last workout was and what was difficult or insightful about it. I'm going to start with Mitch. Good morning, Mitch. Hey, Jason. How are you? Good. So yesterday I did 12.44, but uh, my situation was that uh, I didn't have a chance in the morning to get my workout in, and I only had a limited amount of time at lunch. So what I did was I, I went into Training Peaks, I clicked on the workout, and I went through and I edited the uh, intervals, made them a little shorter, but I still got the uh, workout in. I still got the work done. I still got the benefit, maybe not quite as much, but a lot better than just skipping the workout completely. Absolute great idea, especially with, um, you know, with time constraints like this, making some small changes can make a big difference. Um, you know, tabbing through some of the shorter recoveries, um, some of our riders have done really successfully. All right. I'm going to regret this, but Ian, what did you do? What was the last workout you did? <laughs> well, fortunately you're catching me on Friday morning. So I just did the 1244. Uh, we won't talk about yesterday's workouts. I did the 1244 SST. Uh, it was, uh, it was fun. I, I was getting heckled by another, uh, ODZ member on the uh, while I was riding and streaming it, but uh, I definitely say I enjoyed the SS higher end SST with the lower end SST short break in there, and that actually fits real well for uh, coming races I'm going to be doing. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Nice uh, 100 TSS ride. Yeah, absolutely. And doing that recovery or just kind of some of that work and knowing where that floor is or the bottom of SST is is really important to keep you in that group. All right. Um, I think Tia was rifling through her um, training peaks here as we uh, try to figure out what she did yesterday on her on her bike. So, Tia, um, what was your last workout? So, I had two workouts yesterday. One was um, working on the ability to launch from the low threshold zone into an attack. Um, so, simulating a time trial uphill. So, I'm there almost at threshold for, let's say, five minutes. And then from there standing and working at VO2 for two minutes for that final closing of the race. And so uh, it was a couple of intervals um, like that. It was super hard, the standing part of it, just because holding that high wattage standing for, it's hard to keep it steady, but great challenge. And then I, uh, I led one of the endurance lab workouts in the Zwift module. We had 165 riders join for the chimneys, which was the over-unders where we work on uh, tempo, threshold, and sweet spot. So my legs were pretty tired at the end of the day yesterday. Absolutely. What a great workout. Great combo. If you notice, um, you know, some of our coaches will be doing our endurance lab workouts. Um, other of us will be doing some research on um, workouts that are up and coming. For myself, I was a little bit under the weather, so I was actually working on some workouts um, that are kind of based on the SST floor. Um, for riders that do get sick or are coming back from recovery, I was thinking about coming up with a couple workouts that we could throw in um, that would get them close to what our targets were um, and still get some work in as they are on the road to recovery. So that's what I was working on this week. Um, but yeah, let's just jump straight into the lab. I'm going to throw this over to Ian. He's going to tell us what was going on in the multi-sport and also a little bit about the strength workouts and the maintenance that we're doing. So Ian, what's going on? Yeah, Jason. So uh, first off on the strength side, we're, we're the same in both the multi-sport and yeah, regular lab, but uh, we've, we've backed off some of the intensity and we focus much more on core sustainment. So that's why you'll see that the 15 minute 
core workout that, that Taya published, and it's fantastic. Great core workout, and, and we've only got it in there once, plus one other strength workout, but you can throw that 15-minute workout in before any any ride or just you know before, when you wake up. It's, it's an absolutely fantastic short workout to help keep the core strong. Then on the multi-sport side, you know, we're at the point now where we're starting to boost intensity a little bit. We've, we've got quite a bit of volume in. We've got quite a bit of base work in. And now it's time to start getting some of the, that, that get down speed, that go fast uh, juice running through your legs. So when you get off the bike and have to get into the run, because we all know the, the bike is just a nice little break between the swim and where you make your money on the run. So we have to get some of that speed in there. And likewise, on the, on the bike, we gotta be, we've got to be able to get past people and get through corners, get back up to speed and hold that. So we're working on that, on that section of it right now. Uh, next week, though, get into testing and see how, if we've made any improvements over the last seven or eight weeks. That's excellent. Yeah. So with this week, it's definitely testing our riders, um, you know, kind of their perseverance to keep pushing on and um, kind of maintaining um, kind of that backside of, uh, of strength. I'm definitely finding myself going to that uh, that uh, 15 minute workout or at least those um, off the bike uh, cycling stretches more and more. And I think, you know, having those on a bookmark and replay um, could be very useful. The two videos that uh, Tay has out in the lab very, very well led, as well as some good movements. All right, Mitch is going to give us, uh, we've got a little bit about our 1244, but um, he's going to tell us what we've all got coming up um, this weekend. Yeah, so I mean, I think you heard that a lot of the coaches just did the 1244 workout, which is a great sweet spot workout. And and it's fun because it alternates a little bit between the higher intensity and sweet spot and the lower intensity. But then uh, what's on tap this weekend is the 3053 which is also, a, I'd say it's a pretty challenging sweet spot workout, right? So 30 minutes times three with five-minute recoveries. And what we've gone ahead and done is we've, we've made the uh, sweet spot fluctuate a little bit. So you're not just sitting at a constant effort for 30 minutes and just trying to slog through it. So it moves around a little bit, uh, makes a little interesting, breaks it up a little bit for you. That's definitely great. It's definitely on the longer side. So, you know, definitely come in um, prepared as far as fuel, uh, as far as mentally, um, you know, knowing what you need to do. You know, we've done the 2053s. We've done that um, a couple builds if you've been with us in the lab. So um, we have done that before. So this is definitely going to be a breakthrough workout. So come in ready to do it. Um, I did see some comments in the lab that some of our writers have actually done this earlier in the week and they were very surprised at their ability to be able to hold this. And we're looking at about, um, you're looking at 90 minutes of work here. Um, this is this will get you through many of your races. And if your, let's say, Fondo or Ride is anywhere within the range of two to two and a half hours, this is all the work that you're going to do. Um, otherwise, you know, coasting or, you know, drafting. So lots of lots of good work going to be put into the bag this week as far as um, our base work. All right. Skills, one of the most important parts that we work on, kind of the layers of the onion that I like to call. Um, this is a big, this is a big week for that. So, Taya, what skills did we have our lab writers working on this week? So we have been focusing a lot um, sweet spot this week. So it was sweet spot heavy, and this was one of the hardest weeks in the lab, if not the hardest, in terms of stress score, uh, in terms of how much work we have been doing. So it created a lot of fatigue, and we'll talk about all of this in a little more detail and how that translates um, into how the athletes are training, adapting, and feeling uh, during this episode. But really, the over-unders that we worked on this week, most of them had to focus on over-unders, 
was focusing on the ability to surge and land at tempo or higher power, holding that floor so you can produce continuous effort. And that in turn sparks growth and the ability to clear lactate in the tempo and sweet spot range, which, you know, as um, you can think of your floor as something that you, the maximum power that you can hold without tapping into your lactate stores. And as you progress in your training, you're able to hold that longer, which also means you're raising that floor over time, uh, which in turn should raise your threshold as well. The other work that we did this week, which was very hard, was the uh, VO2 555. This was thrown in this week as a buildup to the shorter VO2 intervals that we did in week five to keep the anaerobic system awake in this lab being the base lab, we didn't focus a lot on VO2 because we don't want to overtax the body early in the season, but we want to keep it awake so that it can be picked up as the season progresses. For example, the next lab is when we're going to be emphasizing VO2 a little bit more. Yeah, there was a, um, a question on who um, built it. Um, not that I came up with the idea of 555, but um, there's definitely um, a workout that, um, that I put together early on before Endurance Lab. It was actually for um, a writer from um, Thailand. It was uh, very, uh, in, in Thai, the words um, 555 are very like a like go fight win um, kind of spirit. And uh, it went very well with uh, the type of uh, spirit he had in his training. Um, so that's where the 555 kind of name kind of stuck. But very classic, five on, five off, um, as far as coaching is concerned, as far as via two max. This is a sweet spot of where you're really tapping into that high end aerobic side of things. So yeah, definitely a great workout. All right, we're going to jump into hot topics in the lab. I'm going to go ahead and start it off. And a lot of you, um, if you do watch um, the live streams here um, by Team ODZ, you know that I'm also a commentary um, host for the Odivas race that happens um, two times a month, the first and the third Saturdays. And I actually got a great opportunity to see a lot of our endurance lab riders actually in the Odivas race. Tina Anderson, Alice Alexandra, um, Alexander, excuse me, Sarah King, Stephanie Holm, Michael, veteran for the race, um, and Megan Herzog were all there slugging it out with all the racers. Some of them, it was their very first time racing in this format, and they were motivated by the other lab riders talking about different races, specifically the Odivas race and how fun that this race is. So it's a very unique race if, um, for the guys, obviously, who haven't raced this race. It's a neutral start race. Um, and we have different courses that, you know, tune or are strengths for some riders and not others. Um, and this week happened to be the reverse hilly climb. So it had that long draw climb on the backside of Watopia. Um, and the ladies did great. Um, I was going back and checking on um, um, each of the riders and going through and looking at all the chase groups. And they were working together. They were drafting um, and they made it through, um, you know, whether it be mid-pack, um, kind of in the chase group or, you know, like for some of our ladies right in the front, you know, Stephanie Hallmichael getting a fourth place spot, Alice Alexander in a sixth place spot, um, and Megan right in that front group um, in the eight, in eight, in um, spot eight. Um, they were all doing really well. So I just want to commend those ladies and also any of those lab riders that are jumping into workouts with these workout strengths and jumping into races and seeing what your fitness is like. Here or there, it's great. I know we talk a lot about not racing too much during this, but it's fun to go test the legs out, whether it be on Zwift or in real life. So just wanted to give a shout out to that. I think it's great. 
All right. So we've got a big topic and we've got a couple big things to cover here coming up next. So I'm going to throw it back over to Taya and she's going to talk a little bit about more of the stress that we've accumulated, <laughs> uh, accumulated over these last seven weeks. All right, Taya, let's get some knowledge from you. I think we all have the basic understanding that in order to get stronger, you need to work hard. So what we're talking here is fatigue and adaptation. Okay. So there is no improvement in fitness without at least some fatigue, right? Um, the flip side of that is adaptation or recovery. You know, they really mean the same thing. I'm going to use them interchangeably here. Is very individual. Not all recovery methods will work equally well for all athletes following the same types of training sessions with similar levels of fatigue. So this is something to keep in mind as you do these hard workouts and you see the need to recover. And I think this is something that all the coaches in the lab emphasize to our athletes is to pay attention to what your body is telling you because our body talks to us. Um, more on how to recover and uh, tips for recovering, you can go back to episode five of the Coach's Corner when we cover that in quite a bit of length. But really the point here is that a hard workout will only create the potential for fitness, right? And the fitness itself is going to crystallize or materialize when you recover. So this is why you need to take it easy after a hard workout and permit the body to get into the ad adaptive process. Um, so during the recoveries, when the body restores itself, it's going to rebuild damaged cells. It's going to create neural pathways. What are these neural pathways? Is the connection between your brain and your muscles and how you work them out. So if you did high cadence, you're creating that pathway for future use. If you did low cadence, same thing, etc. Expanding all the capillary beds, rebalancing the chemistry of the body, developing muscles and much more. So really, when you think about all of those things, you understand how important it is to give yourself the recovery time and uh, time to, to reap the benefits of your workout you wouldn't feel guilty about taking a day off the bike and uh, taking it easy the next day or two. Um, and if you are a new rider, if you have been training for three years or less, there are studies that show that you still are having changes at the cellular level in your body. So this is to keep in perspective, you're not going to be reaching your filling or plateauing anytime soon. So it's, it's a long time sport, right? You're in cycling, you're in triathlon. Give yourself time, um, and and so you have um, you're not overtraining. And, and Mitch is going to talk a little bit more about this as well. So anyway, um, the adaptive process will take some time and cannot be hurried. How much time you need to reduce fatigue and gain fitness will depend on how great or how hard the workout was. So if it was only slightly more difficult than what your body is already used to then you probably need, let's say, 48 hours. Um, and this is a day, right? If you think about the time that you finish the workout into the next one. But if it was a great deal of stress, you might need a little bit more time. So you have the workouts in the lab throughout the week. And I'm very happy to see that our athletes are checking in with us in the forum to say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm feeling this way and I think I should take one extra day off. How can I reshuffle my week, etc." cetera? You, you lab participants have been great at reaching out to us. Um, so don't feel bad about taking that rest because this is when your body is working. And, and so as you take that day of rest, just picture your body with all these adaptations that you're gaining from uh, your hard work.
on that, that's a, those are great points. And one of the things, some people have pretty fancy watches that tell them that they need so many hours of recovery after workouts. But I want to caution people on that, that that is only as good as the time that you've had that watch on your wrist and how much does it actually cover for your workouts? Because I know I did a workout the other day and it told me I needed like 68 hours of recovery time. But compared to what my normal workout schedule is, it really wasn't all that bad of a workout. It was hard and I needed recovery, but uh, not not what that watch said. So make sure as you're using your uh, digital tools that you're putting them into perspective based on what the uh, amount of time you've been using it and the algorithms that it uses. Yeah, and I, and I jump on there too, Ian, and say that you know, training peaks, if you're paying for premium and, and you're using the uh, performance management chart, I don't think there's a magic like uh, negative training stress balance number, not to get too technical. But I think over time, as you learn about how your body responds and when you get sick or, or when something happens, you can start trying to pinpoint that to workouts and training stress balance and, and different indicators that it's showing you. Yeah, about minus 45 is what I would call a time where you need to maybe take a day off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So definitely. So, so Mitch Dagerman opens up training peaks and yeah. looks to see where he hit at training camp. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, we could we could bring it back to that. Yeah. It was it was a lot of um, talk about a uh, TSS and TSB and um, for those riders who aren't familiar with those terms, essentially it's as you put in um, fatigue, um, your body shows a balance of um, stress and essentially recovery of training and stress. So that balance is what um, we're referring to. So for those riders that don't have these metrics, the more you work out, you essentially have more fatigue and your body feels tired and needs to recover. The more, the more hours you put on the bike, the more your body would need to recover. And that's what the coaches are really leaning on right now. And so kind of more in an abstract 10 foot, you know, pole distance, what you want to make sure is that you're balancing those things like Taya had mentioned so that you're getting the recovery that you need for the workouts that you're doing. Um, and a lot of times our job as coaches, um, other than putting out really, you know, uh, workouts that have good substance is making sure that riders aren't drilling themselves into the ground by doing extra workouts or, you know, doing races in between or trying to find a good blend between what riders are doing whether it be in real life or doing training um, otherwise outside of the schedule, and there's a balance. So sometimes people ask, will ask questions, how come there's only you know, one or two workouts this week? It's to give some opportunity for those riders to be able to ride outside or that sort of thing. So it's all a balance. And so a lot of times, um, back to my point, was that as coaches, we're telling riders to back off, to do less um, because it's going to push their stress or their fatigue way overboard. So, Mitch, where yeah. did you end up? Oh, go ahead, Ian. Yeah, I know. I was going to say on that, too. And, and you're talking about the different numbers that we see in training peaks. Those numbers are just our numbers, and they don't tell the complete truth. So it's important to understand that, you know, the longer you train, the more you're training, and the more consistent you are, you might be able to put a lot more into your body with a lot less uh, or negative, a lot less of a negative stress balance, training stress balance, as you'd see in training peaks. So you might be able to hold 100 uh accumulated fatigue or your your how tired you are you know for your short-term training and still and maintain a high level of cumulative training load but and so it may look like you're not that tired but over time your body can only maintain a really high training load or training uh, capacity for a certain period so even if you're a fit athlete you still need to look at why your numbers may not indicate you need a break your body needs that break and you may need to bring it back down to a, a normal level 
to let your body recover, get strong again, and then go back at it and then continue to build that way. So if you look at it, it's somewhat of a, a sign, an upward sign curve, like we all hope the, uh, the, uh, the stock market is. <laughs> and I would highly encourage uh, the athletes to enter notes for themselves in training peaks after a workout to say, just to write, you know, it can be a sentence or two to say how they felt. Yep. Um, and how they're feeling. Because what happens is over time, you see, first, you start to see patterns. And second, uh, if, let's say you get sick. You go back to your notes and you can see early signs. You can see that maybe perhaps that was building, you know, five, six, seven days ago. And so this is something that you can get in a habit of doing and you can learn so much um, about how you react to the stresses of training and, and uh, to recover. Yeah, and then one last point on that. Um, obviously, we're gauging the stress that we have um, in our metrics with the work that we do on the bike, whether or running or swimming. But don't forget that there's other factors that have stress, family, work, you know, a one-hour, three-hour commute to, you know, driving. All of these things add up, and they're in, un, um, intangible as far as how they affect your actual stress um, overall. So we need to take that into consideration as well. And then I guess as we wrap this um, up, I actually had um, a rider that went out over to um, training camp, Team ODZ camp, and um, came in at a very good plus level, around plus 10. Um, after seven days and about 24 hours of riding, ended up riding that sweet spot at around minus 45. Um, so you can push the body, you know, day after day. Felt really good after a couple of days of riding and was very, very surprised with their um, fitness level. So it is something, you know, seven days of riding back to back to really build things up um, can definitely work for someone. And then Mitch is going to tell us kind of how, how far he went into the hole. Yeah, I mean, we can just jump ahead if Ian doesn't map. Doesn't yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's go straight yeah, so to I there. Mean, we're talking about camp and, and really, you know, camp can be looked at as like a really large training week, right? You don't have to go to camp to have a really big week and, and they can be purposely done to push your body into an overreaching scenario. So you want to, the concept is push your body to the brink and then yank it back before you topple over the edge. Um, another way, I saw this analogy online on a triathlete.com article. It's like a marshmallow that you're roasting the athlete. You, you want to get it just to the edge where it's like brown and crinkly before it like launches into flame and burns to a black crisp. Right, so that's I like that. I like that. That's kind of like the big week philosophy, but the key is is that you've got to pull back, right? And you've got to recover. Um, so when I went into training camp, I, I admittedly I was probably undertrained because of some things going on in my family and because of uh, some illness. So I went in with I think a TSB of uh, two, and <laughs> after three days of riding, I hit minus fifty two. Uh, <laughs> So that's I, so awesome. I, yeah, that was awesome. They had three days of, uh, and the that's last day, I, the last day I felt it. Um, but what you want to do is, is you want to recover. Um, it, because if you get into an under recovery scenario, it can be really like a slippery slope that can lead to full blown overtraining. Um, and Jason was just talking about this, right? It's the imbalance between not just your workouts and rest, but let's say stress and rest because stress incorporates your workouts and everything else in your life, work, family commuting, mowing the lawn, you know, all these different things that you have to do during a week that really add up. So it's really the balance between or imbalance between stress and rest. Um, so if you get into like a pre-overtraining state, usually the first thing you're going to see is a performance decline. 
And Taya was talking about the fact that you want to keep detailed training logs, not just entering your workouts, but entering the notes and really paying attention to how you feel, your weight, um, your performance, and so that you can actually see when a decline starts in your performance from what it's usually been. Um, the next step, and I think we've all experienced this, and I certainly did when I came back from camp, is what uh, Tim Noakes, who's a great running coach, uh, um, you know, great running mind, determines as a heavy leg syndrome or super plots, where your legs just feel so heavy and they can't really do anything, right? So, I mean, that's like another kind of physical uh, symptom of when you're getting really into that edge of overtraining. And then there's also a lot of psychological indicators that would point to a state of overtraining um, before like a blood test or heart rate. So like psychological indicators that you're getting into that overtraining would be a, a loss of interest in competition and training, um, your lack of ability to focus both in training at work, a loss of appetite, uh, lower sex drive, di disturbed sleep. So you're not sleeping well, you're clumsy or you're really irritable. Now, some of us, maybe we're just clumsy and irritable every day, but look for changes in those uh, levels. Then some <clears> of the time. physical, what'd you say? No, I didn't. I, it sounded like someone said sign. <laughs> so the, the physical uh, indicators like we talked about would be decline in performance, heavy lifeless feeling in the legs. Um, this is actually something else that we'd recommend doing sometimes too is a raised heart rate at rest. So a lot of times we'll have athletes in the morning really start tracking their resting heart rate or at some point during the day. And you can actually see indications in what your body is going through by where that resting heart rate is. Is it starting to be raised and elevated when you check it at the same time in the same way every day? Um, muscle soreness that doesn't get better, uh, getting sick a lot, uh, being slow at healing, and amenorrhea or your loss of your menstrual period. So all these are kind of like physical and psychological indicators that you're getting into an overtraining state. Now, if you're getting there, what you want to do is realize that overtraining can be a serious condition where you've got to take like weeks and months to like rest and recover. So you don't want to get into overtraining state. So when you start getting these signs of under recovery or like overreaching where you're getting into the uh, overtraining, take a few days off, dial the workouts back, stay off the bike, rest, uh, let your mind kind of recuperate, let your body recuperate. Um, sometimes doing less is more powerful than doing more. Um, and some things that you need to do is you need to focus on your recovery and nutrition, make sleep a priority, find a balance between your training, work, and relationships. Uh, we've talked about these things before, uh, wearing compression clothing, practicing restorative yoga. Uh, Taya's got some great videos on yoga. And on the broadest level, though, what you need to do and pay attention to is your goals and pay attention to your body and make sure you don't get into these overtraining states. Yeah, huge, huge, huge um, amount of information there. Uh, a lot of times this is big topics in um, people's minds, um, but obviously it can go either way as far as some people really pushing themselves um, to overtraining to what Taya had mentioned earlier, where early, um, let's say, newer riders to the game may be pushing themselves and kind of um, getting into a threshold where they feel like they're at overtraining but in fact, without somebody like a coach that has seen um, the same sort of trend or is looking at their files, sometimes that's not able to be seen by the rider themselves. They can get pushed a little bit further to get them through that plateau and to get them through that um, through that part of the week of the of the schedule. Um, so having someone or having someone to be able to reach out to, like we have in the endurance lab, or a coach that's watching, or someone um, or a group that's kind of 
you're you're working with can really get you through some of those plateaus um, but knowing and understanding what these actual overtraining indicators for example that mitch had mentioned um, can be very very useful so that you have them in your mind nobody wants to have to take that much time off a lot of us want to get to that point where we're getting the stimulation that we want to make sure that we're getting more fitness but none of us want to put ourselves um, into that hole does any of the other coaches have experience with this Oh yeah, I mean you guys know I ride the lightning all the time. I'm always pushing the pushing yep. the edge on this one. Yep. And uh, you know the other important part of this is it's not only yourself and your coach listening to, but uh, you know once your family gets used to you doing this kind of training, they'll start seeing when you're getting close. So my wife, who's definitely not a coach, um, you know she always kind of notices when I'm when I'm pushing the limits and and you know riding that line of close to overtraining, and so she'll always start kind of watching or making sure I'm eating a little bit more or making sure that. We're going to bed a little earlier or, you know, trying to do those couple things to stave it off, knowing that I've got a recovery week coming up usually or, you know, something that's going to be some downtime. So it, it's important to, to get other people involved in it, people who see you on a day-to-day basis, who are used to your training routine and who are used to the, the ups and get downs of it. Because we're all going to, when we get into our big build cycles where we're really increasing the intensity or increasing the volume, towards that last little bit before you get into the into that break, you're gonna be. You're going to be tired. You're gonna be irritable. You're gonna be a little bit grouchy. Um, you're, not, you're gonna have some rough days. And, and the people around you can recognize: Are these the normal bit of we're at the end of a build period, or are these the I'm probably a little bit too far cooked? And, and and they can help you with that. And that's really really important. And of course, you don't want your training to get in a way of your life such that it's now a something negative, right? I mean, I've yeah. had in my early days of training when I thought that more was better, more, more, more. I wanted miles. I wanted more power, more miles, more everything. I would be just, you know, sitting on the couch and not wanting to interact with my kids, you know, and not wanting to because I was so tired. Um, and I, oh, gosh, do I have to get out of the couch and cook for them? Why don't you cook for yourselves? <laughs> Three-year-olds, you're you know? three. <laughs> Learn to cook. You're three. Um, you should be able to cook for yourself. Yeah, sounds so. like sounds like Ian, man. <laughs> I say this is. You're just describing my daily life. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. All right, yeah. So just between those two, so looking at trying to understand uh, your level of fatigue and how that plays a role in the adaptation of your fitness, and making sure that. Um, you have a good gauge of the other side of things of overtraining um, and um, overstretching, just getting to that, just getting to that point to be um, to where you can push yourselves and really playing on that line. All right. We've got a couple other topics here. Um, one of them are in the pool. So I know nothing about that. So Ian's going to tell us um, what it's like to be underwater. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for those who are doing the multi-sport, plan we're 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 pretty deep into the swimming time and unfortunately most of the people at this time of year have to swim indoors and uh we're, we're exposed to a lot more chlorine than we would like now the best pools obviously are the pools that have the salt water filters though i mean they're, they're fantastic but most most uh pools that we're going to visit whether they be at the gym or, or the y or something like that um or the community center they're going to be chlorine based and if you're not careful the chlorine that's in the pool there's a good chance it's going to just destroy your equipment and have a, have an effect on your uh, your skin and your hair. Um, I, I know, fortunately, I have dark hair, not like my sister is blonde. And in the summer when we had our pool growing up, she was a greenhead um, because of the chlorine. But um, 
it, you, these are there's different things out there you have to look at. And one of the things I will tell people is if you're going to spend a lot of time in the pool, the first thing you need to do when you're done with your swim is get immediately in the shower with all your gear. I go in with all my swim toys into the shower when I'm at the gym and people kind of look at me. Um, I rinse everything off because the, that chlorine water will just eat away eventually at the silicone or the rubber around the goggles. And then you're going to start going through goggles a lot faster than you need to, um, as well as your swimsuit. The swimsuits, if you're wearing a, a, a jammer or um, a swim, a, an actual competitive swimsuit, they can they can resist the chlorine water for a little bit. But if you don't wash it out regularly with the with water, maybe a little bit of soap, hand washing out in the shower, you're going to start going through sixty or seventy dollars swimsuits every three months instead of twice a year. Um, and that's that that kind of racks up the price a little bit. And then for your skin itself. You know, there's a lot of shampoos out there that are natural or natural shampoos that you can use to help strip away the chemicals from the chlorine. I highly recommend those. You know, thoroughly getting a, a sponge that you can really get a, a good scrub on your skin after the chlorine and get it all off there. And then using a, a good uh, conditioner on your hair and, and uh, lotion on your body afterwards, uh, especially if you're like me who suffers from dry skin anyways, it's compounded by getting in and out of the pool. I know Taya's probably got similar issues dealing with... Uh, with her, uh, her swim champ that she's got, make, trying to make sure that the chlorine doesn't trash his body. It's really hard. It just accumulates, and it seems like sometimes he's sweating chlorine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. you gotta keep. You got to be on top of it. you got to be diligent about, uh, about lotion and uh, the shampoos that you use. Yeah, it's maintaining the machine. That's mm-hmm. all I look at it. But, yeah, so that's the big thing with the swimming. So I, I want everyone to really take that into account because as we move forward into uh, later multi-sport plans, the swimming is going to get more intense and longer. So you really have to be cognizant of those those uh, problems. And, uh, unfortunately, not all of us live in places where we can do open water swimming in the uh, oceans or lakes. So uh, we got to deal with the pool. Now, two other topics that I want to hit real quick. Um, both were, were big in the endurance lab. Um, one is near and dear to my heart. Um, I, I love this. I think these are great uh, items, and I know Andrew agrees with me. Avocados. Avocados are the staple of my nutrition plan. I eat them all the time. They're a fantastic thing. And apparently, we have a couple people in the endurance lab who just found avocados. Um, and I can tell you, I know Andrew, like I said, is a big fan of these and really pushes them hard for all the, the good fats and the minerals they have. So if you have any questions about avocados, there's a thread in the endurance lab about avocados. I highly recommend going there and reading it. We got some good recipes in there. I'm going to try and get some more in. And um, there's some good talk. And you can even use avocado in your hair. I, I wouldn't waste my avocados on that, but you can do that. Yeah. Um, but no, but avocado is great because you can use the avocados to eat, but avocado oil is really good for cooking because it, it uh, resists temperature really well. So if you use olive oil when you cook, you can't go at too high of a temperature because it starts to break down the oil. So you lose some of the benefit of it. Where avocado can be cooked at a much higher temperature. So therefore, when you're cooking and uh, on the stove with it, you're not losing the the good part of the uh, oil that comes from the avocado. Yeah, it's such it's it's such a versatile um, kind of a item that you could use in the kitchen, as far as um, you getting some really great fats in and switching over things. Um, olive oil already a great step. Moving to olive um, avocado oil even better. Um, adding this healthy fat to a majority of your meals. Um, in a conjunction with any of the proteins and the carbs when we need them, it's just a great, a great um, source of um, just getting full throughout the day and available a lot of times um, throughout the seasons. Um, it does take a little bit of work to kind of get the right ripeness. Um, but I mean, where Ian is, it's the same temperature every day. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, just- I, I, 
I, I only get I can only find avocados daily, so it's uh, yeah only daily, uh, only daily. No, and but you know different avocados are, have different consistencies and flavors. So like the hot right. avocados are my favorite. When I lived in Chile, I ate those. You know, I go through two a day easy. Nice. But now where I live here, we have the bigger, which are much more. I guess they're called the green avocados. Uh, yeah. There's actually three different types that we get here, but they're mm-hmm. much bigger. There's less taste that there's more. It's they're a little bit wa- more watery. And and so you get a little more substance on them when you're using them in shakes, um, but you don't necessarily get as much of the avocado taste. So there's that drawback for it. Right, right. But um, yeah, one more the last, yeah, yeah the one the last thing I want to I want to bring up is another hot topic in the lab real quick was everybody gets blowed up periodically. Period. <laughs> um, you know, we've had a lot of people this week, and and I pre warned everybody week seven was a tough week. Um, you know, everyone's going to go in, and, and even though we just had a recovery week. You got to remember, we got some really good hard weeks into your legs in the last last month and a half or so, and it's okay to get blown up in workouts. It happens. Um, if you're not getting blown up periodically, you're probably not pushing hard enough in in your workouts. Um, and and I know some people look at it and get demoralized because they didn't get all their stars. Um, I am a poster child for getting never for never getting all my stars. I always at least miss one, miss one or two, and it never yeah. bothers me because I don't care. Um, and if I have to bag a workout, I bag a workout and I just take it for what it is that, that, I, that today I was a nail instead of the hammer. Uh, so it's completely all right. Just expect it to happen. And the important thing there too, is, uh, you, it happens, you acknowledge it and then you immediately let it go and you move on. You don't think about it yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yes. And, and I think that's been one of the challenges, and we've talked about it before, um, with the new advent of the workout module. Recently, you may have seen um, me go back to some of our roots of um, kind of our workout modules, which was in um, Trainer Road, uh, and they don't use a star system. What they do use is at the, right at the end of the interval for a short 10-second period, it'll show you the average power and your accuracy to um, the interval. And this, where that's important is, Let's say you're in the third interval and you've dropped off anywhere between 5% of the actual target. Um, For those number crunchers out there, that's that threshold where if you're not able to get within 5% of the target during that third interval, it's exactly what Ian says. You've got to pull the cord, you do the cool down, and you move move forward. And that short blip of 10 seconds of showing what happened in that interval is perfect. There's no mark of it afterwards. It just goes away and you move on to the recovery and you just go to the next interval. And I think that's a, a really good way to do it. Unfortunately, that's not something we could build in, but it is built in to training peaks when you bring it into your Garmin, your Connect, or any other of the you know Virtugo systems. It's 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 supposedly supposed to have those, and it doesn't have the gaming part of the stars. So I think that'll help us as coaches and you as athletes as we we all move forward. All right. Yeah. So we has yeah. Was there anything? Yeah, I say definitely that. that I say definitely that's the, that's the important part. You know, one other thing I want to throw in there on that is for for those of you who grew up, you know, playing baseball or something like that or watching baseball, the, the way I, I try to think of this is I was a middle infielder. Middle infielders get the baseball hit to them all the time. Yeah. And if you, if you, if you, if you're going to have an error, it happens. And if you just dwell on that error, the next thing that hits you, you're going to have an error. Yeah. And then the next one, unless you just can't dwell on it. And yeah, I mean, even if you look at the pros when they're cycling, guys crash, guys make poor timing decisions, guys drop chains because they made bad shifting decisions. You just got to move on. And it's a workout. No one's paying us to do this. So there's no reason to brood over a, a bad workout. 
So really quick, the uh, stage two of one of the races going on in Europe yesterday. Actually, I saw this last night as I was getting ready to go to sleep. Sagan uh, got beat by Cattell in the sprint at the end. Yeah, train Adriatico. Yeah, and, and he and he said, "Look, you know what? I I gave everything I had. I was in the perfect position with you know 350 meters to go or 250 meters." And he's like, "I just couldn't beat him today. Yeah. He won. It was his day." And and I think that's you know exactly what Ian's saying is sometimes you know you 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 push and you do everything right and you, you're just going to blow up and you're not going to do it and, and you move on and you you learn from it. Yeah, words to live by. All right. So as we transition, as we wrap this up today, we're going to go on the horizon. So the week the week out uh, the workouts that we have next week coming up are a little bit of a newer um, SST sixteen fifty three. We're going to um, revisit SST pyramids. Um, and our all-time favorite workout at the end of it all is going to be the math, t- the math test, the MAF test. We may need um, myself or another coach to try to do this early on in the week to emphasize what we are trying to do and demonstrate how low of an effort this should be. Um, but, yeah, those are the three workouts that we have. Um, I was, had one more thing. But before we, um, before we go, I'm going to throw it to Taya here. Um, she's she's going to tell us about the last um, the last week and then our transition into the next lab and what we have coming up. So, Taya, tell us what we have coming up the next eight weeks. Yeah, so uh, as we wrap up here week eight, you're going to be coming in with fatigue in your legs. You're going to have some more pretty solid SST work to do with slightly faster workout with the pyramids. Those are going to be shorter pyramids with tapping into VO2. And then before we get into the next lab, we already have uh, many of you asking about what's next. We're going to have a week off. And that is the week for you to recover. Um, It's a week that we're going to be at the end of of week eight, we're going to post our recommendations on how to take that rest week between labs. So, um, Whatever you do, don't go out crazy <laughs> and work too hard. You really need exactly. that recovery week. And um, what we're looking at here, starting on the 26th of March, is the performance lab. And um, so that lab is going to be um, different than this one in that it is going to be focusing more. You know, this one we did a lot of base work, SST work. The next one we're going to be focusing more on the work that riders would do as they transition outdoors. So not, you know, you're going to maybe be doing long rides, centuries, fondos, races, etc. cetera. Um, we're going to be focusing on power. We're going to bring back VO2 into, um, into the routine uh, to be more present than this, this time around, and also muscular endurance. It's going to be super exciting. So, uh, Tune out, be on the lookout for that. Yeah, and then Ian, um, in the multi-sport world, um, Mitch, Ian, what do we got coming up um, in the next lab? Yeah, so we're getting ready to hit into a big part of tri-season. And what we're developing, because the tri-season is spread out over a number of different uh, you know, we're, we're not really in the same cycle as uh, just the road racing uh, scene. We're developing two 12-week uh, multi-sport labs, the long course lab and the short course lab. Um, long course lab is me designed for doing greater distances than an Olympic. So over a you know, 1,500 meter swim, over a 40K bike and over a 10K run. And then the short course lab will be the sprint distance uh, to Olympic distance. 
And those are, like I said, 12 weeks. They're not going to be a fixed end date. So depending on where you fall in your calendar, if you have an August race or a July race or a June race, you'll be able to grab that and apply it. And we'll have our own thread in the uh, in the lab where people can jump in and, <clears throat> and have the same support that they're currently getting with the regular lab, but we'll also have a separate area for the tri folks. Excellent. That's super exciting. I know as we... Um, <clears throat> As we build these um, different plans, um, people may be asking, oh, like, I want to go back and do this plan because I'm starting now. Um, after this, Ian, are riders going to be able to go back and do, let's say, base or the build period? So we'll be able to we're, – we're looking at some different options for including that and making that available to some of our riders. Um, right now, we don't have it set up for that. I've got to go in and do some uh, some – tweaking of it to take them off the fixed end and dates that we were working to make sure everyone was on the same cycle but we we will get some uh something up for everybody as they're getting further into their season yeah and i think it's something that we're working on developing so just to keep something in their in your mind um one thing i wanted to add is that um we are actually looking for um lab riders to make it into um come and join us here on the coach's corner so if you're interested real simple to do um if you've ever used discord um, it's something that you can bring in, um, uh, and we can bring in your audio and we'd love to chat with you and talk to you. You get to listen to the whole thing and, uh, we'll have a little, um, interview here. And so, um, with that, I've got one other note here before we go, I wanted to mention, um, some add-ons that we're going to have in the next, um, in the next block of, uh, in the next block of training. And so, um, Taya, did you want to go over it or I've got them here? Uh, go ahead, Jason. Yeah. So for the Endurance Lab members, um, normally we have your the opportunity um, to spend time in the forum um, and to interact with the coaches. But if you would like to have one of the coaches go into your um, uh, kind of a training plan or you know, within Training Peaks or just lay out your year, let's say, for uh, a event or the event that you're going for that year, you'll have an opportunity to do an add-on um, when you do the purchase of the next lab. And what it'll do is allow us to take a deeper look into your year and get you the growth that you need to be able to perform and reach your goals for that A race. And so take a look at that um, add-on that we'll be um, utilizing in the next eight-week lab. It's a really great piece. We've demoed it or baited it for a couple riders. And it's and as far as the idea, it's looking like it's something that a lot of riders are looking to do because riders do have a Grand Fondo, a race, something that they're looking to peak for, and that's something that we can help with as we build in. And it will integrate the performance lab, the build lab, all the ones that we are working on. It will integrate that along with the strength and then along with um, a steady build towards that A race. So look for that as an opportunity to, um, to add on to your purchase for the Endurance Lab in the next round. Excellent. Um, I Jason, think we're good. If I go ahead, go question, ahead. Just one sure. more thing, too. Sure. That, uh, we have been, uh, a couple of people asked for was they, are, they, they love the format, right, that we have in, in the lab they would like some some participants would like to have more personalized feedback on their workouts on their performance right. on an ongoing basis as they're in the lab. So we also are going to have this add-on for the next lab, which is a coach assigned to you for um, the review of your workouts. So every week you'll get feedback on all the workouts that you performed that week, 
and uh, receive comments and suggestions for improvements uh, in a weekly email. So take a look at that as well on the website. Yeah, so great opportunities to add things. And a lot of these are coming from the feedback that we're getting from you guys. So thanks for that. All right, so just a quick wrap up here. We had a really great week in the lab. Lots of things going on, both on the cycling world and the multi-sport world. Lots of hot topics in the lab, lots of racing going, and really just trying to get a good handle around fatigue and adaptation, as well as making sure we don't get to that over point of overtraining. Um, we've got a great week coming up. It's our um, eighth week here as we wrap up, and everyone's getting ready for that lovely, lovely rest week to get ready for the Endurance Lab performance um, section. And don't forget, there are some add-ons there. So for me, Jason Flores, and the coaches, Mitch, Ian, and Taya, I want to thank you for joining us here on the Coach's Corner, and we'll see you in a week after week eight of the Endurance Lab. Thanks again. Have a great day. 